0: Hey everybody, Steven here from From the Top, just wanted to hop on really quick and give a content warning for this week's episode covering American Psycho the Musical. There are some adult themes in this show, including drug references, sexual references, um, and other major adult themes, so uh, feel free to skip this episode, skip the parts of this episode that you don't feel suits your needs, um, and we'll, of course, see you again next time. Happy listening! in this week's episode of From the Top.
1: Free love in the 80s.
0: Free love in the 80s, is that a thing? More like coke-induced love in the 80s.
1: Coke-induced love in the 80s. It's the
0: airbag in the descent <laughs> that cradles you and says, okay, we're done. <laughs>
1: we... <laughs> we're done,
0: And you'll be
1: okay. It's kind of like watching porn.
0: I couldn't tell you the title of a song in the show. And I have the song list right in front of me. <laughs> um, my junk, my, maybe? Maybe some my junk. A little but, bit of my but junk. that was the most it got to.
1: Maybe a little mama who bore me with the two ladies who talked about their Manola Blancs. Maybe. 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 <laughs>
0: and it was... It Hashtag was, a white boy crump It was very white. It
1: was so white. We've got magic to do. Just for you um St- steven <laughs> this might be a strange question but i'm gonna ask it why why are there copies of fashion print on the ground like do you have a dog and why is the studio covered in plastic
0: well i had planned on killing evelyn but you showed up tonight so <gasps> here we are
1: uh uh okay um uh, oh my god what, what do, um don't
0: worry what I put in your drink will kick in any minute now.
1: I have a really expensive <laughs> glass of Chardonnay that I'm not drinking. Have you ever listened to Huey Lewis, Mary? <laughs> no, no, Steve, I, I, I've never, I've never heard of Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All this show is actually quotable, and people aren't quoting it enough.
1: But you know, let's be, let's be real. Watching, the, I mean, the source material that it's based on. <sighs> Patrick Bateman is just a scary human being. But
0: you're captivated, and that's the mark of a good serial killer. You hear about Ted Bundy?
1: Who's Ted Bundy? Steven, are you okay? You're sweating. I
0: just saw some embossed business cards that are really triggering me, so I think we better take this.
1: From the top! From the top, a five, six, seven... Tonight,
2: tonight there's no
1: point Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of From the Top, your favorite musical theater cast and review. My name is Mary. And I'm Steven. And tonight on the Marquee, we are discussing a a musical that I never thought would actually exist in reality, and it's very enticing that it is here. You know,
0: whoever decided that this could be a musical has vision.
1: It's something that is just, that boggles the mind. On the Marquee tonight, we're talking about... American Psycho. America, cleaners, give me
2: what I want. Whenever I shower, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a day, I use a honey almond wash on my ripped body and an exfoliating spearmint gel on my face. I apply Clinique moisturizer and an anti aging eye balm before I shave with a razor and cream by Pour On. No cologne on the face ever as the high alcohol content dries out your skin and makes you look older.
1: I never truly thought that the character of Patrick Bateman was somebody who could be redeemable, but watching the musical versus the source material, that's where I started to believe that. I never believed that watching the movie. I now kind of believe that watching the musical. Yeah,
0: musical finds some heart in it because I think the musical talks a little bit more or takes a little bit more Mm -hmm. from the source. Mm -hmm. So I think that's absolutely helped it. But I also think they picked a track where American Psycho is supposed to be, was it in his mind or was it not in his mind? I think they picked a track. Oh God, it's such a good track. But we'll talk about it. But we would be remiss, Mary, if I didn't ask you Three sentences or less, what is a synopsis of American Psycho?
1: American Psycho is the story of a man who is unhinged on the inside, but spends so much time forming his visage on the outside that he loses touch with reality. Through trying to satisfy sins of the flesh, drugs and drinking and sex and murder, he discovers that there is no limit he is willing to kind of meet to craft the perfect image of himself. It's not until he is faced with the possibility of hurting someone who is genuine, and who has treated him like a human being, that he realizes that there are some people worth saving. Bravo. We have to
0: focus in on this man, Patrick Bateman, and he is not necessarily a savory character. He's a sinfully delicious character. Someone you aspire to be, but you... You don't want to be.
1: You aspire to be the person he shows on the outside. You never want to be the real person.
0: Like it says, as he says verbatim in the first paragraph of this show in Mm -hmm. his monologue, there is no Patrick Bateman. Mm -hmm. Patrick Bateman is someone that people know me by.
1: That's such a wild concept to think about. Because it kind of, it almost touches back a little bit to when we talked about Les Mis and the idea of what makes up your identity and like Mm -hmm. how... People know you because Jean Valjean goes through that whole process, right? Which also, random side plot, this mentions Les Mis. so much. It's like a
0: it's it, it's like a B plot.
1: Did you do this on purpose? Like, did you? I swear to
0: Jesus on high, I did not mean to. But that red flag started waving on stage, and we. Died.
1: We literally lost our minds. It was so, yeah. it was also should mention, I have the pleasure of having Stephen in the booth with me. Yet tonight. again. Yet again, made the trek just to come visit Lil me, which is a lie. He came to visit other people, but I'm like a side <laughs> plot to the plot. So it's a great time. I think we
0: need to get into a cast list and let's describe our cast of crazy characters.
1: Crazy characters. So Stephen, I'm not going to lie to you. Trying to find this cast list was actually a little bit, Bit of a bugger to be honest.
0: It wasn't around that long, so people really haven't been able to do it or you know have time to sit with it and really dive into who these people are.
1: Before I give a cast list, though, will you tell me why it it wasn't around for very long?
0: Ooh, well, a lot of it was rights were pulled. Early, uh, from this uh Broadway production, it had a little longer of a run on the West End. Oh, sure, but a lot of that is attributed to Matt Smith, who was a doctor mm-hmm. in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it we watching the show realize it, it does actually have some great messages with you know some blood, uh,
1: but. <laughs> <laughs> Literal blood. Just yeah, literally literal. blood.
0: This kind of goes into a from the beginning, but sure. it was pushed through so quickly to try to get to Broadway, they pushed through too quickly. Oh,
1: and no. It ended up
0: me probably needing a little bit more help sure. in you know, nuancing all of the, the bits and pieces that go into making the show. Sure. But they decided to go straight to a Broadway show instead of to an off-Broadway theater that had a great time usually getting shows to Broadway, such as Dear Evan Hansen. Sure. um,
1: And the like. Well, you know, unfortunately that is... That is the song of a lot of uh, Broadway shows, I feel, is the idea of the rights. And, you know, yeah, the second that they become, you know, in flux, then, you know, yeah. th- that is just the death knell for a show. Looking at this cast list, we are referencing uh, ConcordTheatricals.com. This cast list, I mean, is pretty extensive because you've got a lot of people. You could say an ensemble role. So we're not going to obviously cast all of these people. We're not going to go over all of them. We're going to go over probably, I would say, the 10 principals, I think, or. Yeah, the people that. That you need to know because they have a name and they are only those people throughout the show. Correct. Yeah. So uh, the first person we're going to start with, obviously, is our titular character, Patrick Bateman. Um, unfortunately, what I'm referencing here doesn't really have a lot of description. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, based on watching the film and then watching this, I mean, Patrick is your main protagonist? Antagonist. He's kind of both. He's a main dude. He's but, your main dude.
0: Yeah, he's the one we focus in on and he's the one that we give this story to. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of our narrator. He takes us through his entire journey. Mm-hmm. That's always the question whether this journey is in his head or if it actually happened mm-hmm. or something in between. Mm-hmm. We don't know.
1: So following after Patrick we have Jean who is Patrick's secretary. Uh, Jean is also the only person truly in Patrick's litany of people that is treating him like a human being and that isn't necessarily like fawning over him and falling to his will. She's very much kind of the only person who really Stands to him not in a um, adversarial kind of way, but is very her own person, and only when you know asked to dinner does she say yes. But she's not actively trying to like flirt with him or sleep with him or whatever. Yeah. Following behind Jean, we have Timothy Price, who is Patrick's best friend. He's a regular corporate guy. Yeah, he's, he's that quintessential trope of
0: an '80s Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Situation.
1: Lots of cocaine, lots of lots of debauchery, lots of 80s debauchery. Yeah. So then following behind Timothy, we I'm gonna name off uh, three of the co-workers that work in this firm. We have Craig McDermott, David Van Patten, and uh, Lewis Carruthers. So again, three corporate Wall Street guys who all they're so kind of vanilla in their own way that they just kind of blend in together as one trio. That's, and that's their
0: purpose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There is one different flavor with uh, Lewis. Well, Lewis is the... Titular homosexual. The titular homosexual. The titular homosexual. Hashtag titular homosexual. Yeah, I, I think once
0: we get into the discussion of the show, his character is... A representation of this era.
1: Sure. Um, following behind Lewis, then we have Paul Owen, and Paul Owen is the opposition to Patrick. He's, if, you know, in in the film, he is known by um, Paul Allen instead of Paul Owens, or Paul Owen. He is similar to Patrick in a lot of different ways, in, in stature, in personality. I mean, even down to the business cards, his business card is better than Patrick's. His apartment is more expensive than yeah, Patrick's. Obviously. He's the competition. And then, following behind Paul, we have Evelyn Williams. And Evelyn, Evelyn is Patrick's girlfriend, but we find out that Evelyn is actually sleeping with someone else, mm-hmm. sleeping with, is, is it Timothy?
0: I think it's his best friend.
1: Yeah, so he's, she's sleeping with Timothy. And then we have Courtney Lawrence, who is dating Lewis, but sleeping with Patrick. So it's a very Yeah, they're... Tra- not, yeah, they're crazy they're, they're it's, it's, all, it's
0: all up there. Yeah,
1: it's, it's free love in the 80s. Free
0: love in the 80s instead of... <laughs> thing. Or like Coke induced love in the eighties.
1: Coke-induced love in the eighties. And then I mean truly the last person I think that's of note is Mrs. Bateman, of of course who's Patrick's mother, and depending on your cast size, the person who plays Mrs. Bateman also will double as kind of other smaller roles in the ensemble. Well, my darling, that is truly your your main uh, cast of characters, your main your main ten. Like a detective that shows up, Tom Cruise makes an appearance, quote, quote, Tom Cruise, uh, and then multiple other people in the ensemble.
2: She says from the heart, she does it for the art. But I don't know, don't know, don't know. everything I'm telling you is song I'm selling you. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. She wants it all.
0: what a plot of American Psycho is. And I think well, this oh, is going to start to unveil a little bit of the crazy that this show is. If you are unfamiliar with this 19, no, no, no. This actually debuted in 2000 with Christian Bale.
1: Oh my God.
0: 2000? If you aren't familiar with this cult film, Patrick Bateman is a successful business person of Wall Street, right? He's, mergers
1: and acquisitions. Mergers and
0: acquisitions or murders and, and executions. executions. It's very apparent... Right away that he is, we'll call it type A. He likes things a certain way and they better be that way or it's not worth his time or effort.
1: Or heads will roll, literally.
0: He has a routine. He sticks to that routine. He has something mentally maybe going on. He needs to have it this way. Mm -hmm. And if not, pandemonium. Pandemonium. So we get introduced to his business colleagues, how his life is, all of his little girls and side trysts and... Girlfriend, and then, uh, <laughs> and girlfriend, and girlfriend, <laughs> but we get these sinister little plops of oh, maybe something mm-hmm. there's some blood on some shirt that he takes to a dry cleaner. No, no, that's cranberry juice, cran apple,
1: yeah. excuse me, cran
0: apple, yes. And then we slowly but surely see an unraveling of Patrick throughout Mm -hmm. whether the girlfriend is asking for marriage and he doesn't understand that. We see him trying to succeed in business and every time someone does better than him, he's triggered. And when he's triggered, bad things happen. He potentially offs someone who he sees as Mm non-threatening. Or in one person's case, eventually Mr. Paul Owen... Who ends up uh, getting offed by Mr. Bateman <laughs> in a very iconic scene to Huey Lewis? <laughs>
1: da, 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 is hip to be da, 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 da. Yeah,
0: meanwhile, there's a detective hot on the case now because Paul isn't necessarily some street person or Mm -hmm. some low level, something that someone's not going to look for. He's
1: got family who will look for him.
0: Yeah. So, we now have a problem and this sends Patrick into a spiral and pretty much all of Act 2, you are either in his head or it's actually happening, but it's not happening Mm -hmm. and he's covered in blood and he's running around in underwear. Meanwhile, you're in a trip to the Hamptons with all of his people, (laughs) with his relentless girlfriend, Lewis, who uh, he's professing his love to Patrick Mm -hmm. in in his secret gay 80s fashion, Yep, in a Reagan era. All of this said, it sounds crazy, but it ends up being a beautiful ending Mm -hmm. where Patrick sort of comes forward as narrator and is like, you get to discern what you want from this, Mm -hmm. but this is the story I told tonight. And please be better. Like it's just beautiful.
1: Oh man, it was it was an ending that kind of shook me a little bit. You know, as actors, we spend so much time crafting our story around a character and we, not that we necessarily method act, but we dive deep into characters and we try to get into psyche and lifestyle and and all of those things. And for this actor to then separate himself from the character and go, this is Patrick Bateman. This is not who I am. Take from this what you will is almost a little jarring for me. Cause it's like, I've never seen it done before, but that was Wickedly smart to do, I think, because obviously the character portrayed is a character, and that's all. The actor is the vehicle to portray, but for the actor to kind of set this on stage and go, there—it's literally a mic drop—was just uh, sublime.
0: Yes, yeah, so because it's—it's it's kind of in the whole through line that he's—I am not. There is no Patrick Bateman. Yeah, I am simply the vessel that mm-hmm. people—that people think is Patrick Bateman and they discern what they want from it's that. It's so good. And it's it, it's a beautiful allegory, although even in the show they say this is not an allegory. The whole show's an allegory. Yes it
1: is. Like <laughs> don't don't lie to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um our our favorite composer ever, Duncan Sheik.
1: Oh, Duncan. Shout uh, out to Duncan. However,
0: uh, he did me dirty in this. I'm going to drop it now. Say it now. I hate this music with a fiery passion.
1: I
2: know. I <laughs> Am. Either Constantia it Says nice to see ya Or Comic Sans But doesn't shake my in hand In the Corporate Coliseum Everyone that he meets The crowd calls for a showman They want to get to know My him. font He's cut from Imperial Nice material Yours, Times New Roman I ain't no Willy Loman
0: Oh, baby, baby I think that's What's up? I want to know how this psycho was birthed. <gasps> so I think it's time to start from the beginning.
2: That will bring us back to Joel. Joel. Joel.
0: So don't cross me or you're going to get off with an act. <gasps> hey Paul. <laughs> Hey, Paul! <laughs> oh, oh, man. Is it weird that I was so satisfied when Paul was offed?
1: I, I, no, I, it is not weird because it is satisfying. Because I the thing is, I think we were
0: edged the whole way to that moment. Well,
1: yeah, because he's a sleazeball. Like... But, like,
0: I wanted it to happen. Yeah.
1: Does that make me a serial killer? I'm slowly backing my <laughs> chair away from <laughs> the table Don't. right It'll now. Don't ruin the newspaper on the floor. So,
0: <sighs> all right, so... Uh, we start this story, and here's the thing: I'm I'm reading this straight from the horse's mouth. Brett Easton Ellis. This is a book debut that debuted in 1991 mm-hmm. by the author Brett Easton Ellis. Okay, and he verbatim has a quote about what this book is and where it stems from in his mind Fabulous. and what it's about. And I think this will create a cool discussion for us to go into. Sure. Bateman was crazy the same way I was. He did not come out of me sitting down and waiting to write a grand sweeping indictment of yuppie culture. It initiated because of my own isolation and alienation at a point in my life. I was living like Patrick Bateman. I was slipping into a consumerist kind of void that was supposed to give me confidence and make me feel good about myself, but just made me feel worse and worse and worse about myself. This is where the tension of American Psycho came from. It wasn't that I was going to make this into a serial killer on Wall Street, high concept, fantastic book. It came from a much more personal place, and that's something that I've only been admitting in the last year or so. I was so on the defense because of the reaction to the book that I wasn't able to talk about it on that level.
1: Oh my god. I... I'm sorry. I think there's something very powerful in someone being able to admit something like that. Yeah. I mean, we've talked at at length, ad nauseum, with certain shows, mental illness, mental health, and the pursuits of remedies for things therein. And it's it's really empowering to have somebody go... This book literally came from me because I was living this. So the only way for me to get this out was to do it this way. I couldn't really, I can't really talk about my actual feelings about it because people are too busy criticizing the work itself without stopping to go, let's hear him and what he has to say. Yeah. And I just think it's one, brave, but
0: two, it's genius. Because totally. what he's done is he's taken all of what 1980s business culture is, mm-hmm. and popped it into Patrick Bateman. Mm-hmm. It is what this character is. So, if, if when you think Patrick Bateman, think like Johnson & Johnson or mm-hmm. like Shell Oil or or something, some big conglomerate company who's buying out other companies. God. And that's what 1980s was. So that's sort of the source of this is 1980s business culture, which mm-hmm. isn't cool to talk about. It's boring as hell. <laughs> but that's what this is. It, it, it stems from the fact that it's, we mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. Mergers.
1: And acquisitions. And
0: acquisitions. But... In, in speech and talk that Patrick Bateman does when he's talking to some of the girls he's sleeping with, mm-hmm. they're like, what do you do, Patrick? And he says, well, murders and executions. But then they reply as if he said, mergers, mergers and acquisitions. acquisitions. So this is where you question, was this in his mind? Is this real? What's going on? Mm-hmm. But it's also proving that he is just a symbol for this business culture and what they're doing. God. Businesses were buying out other businesses, killing them, no matter what at the cost, no matter if it was killing people's livelihoods, if it was ruining people's lives. They didn't care. They needed to have something to brag about at the next board meeting. Mm Mm-hmm. Ergo, we have these business cards, and who has the best business card, and who did the best thing this week, and it it just all sort of flows into this story, Um, but as far as this musical goes, um, the musical, again, was based on this 1991 novel, but uh, it, like we said, just had a really short run. On Broadway, Mm -hmm. but but it came across the pond. People really thought it was going to do really really well Mm -hmm. on Broadway, and it was supposed to. It was on track to be a cult classic that was going to stick around for a minute. But I think this flows really well into our critics' (laughs) review.
1: So there were a, a ton of reviews that I found, of course, all you know, dated, I would say, 2016, when I'm assuming that this is the yep. when it first hit Broadway. Um, so, I mean, plethora of reviews. The one that I'm going to be reading is from USA Today, and it was uh, published on April 21st of 2016. Title reads, Musical, quote, American Psycho Arrives on Broadway, A Bloody Triumph. Patrick, a young investment banker who moonlights as a serial killer, popped up on a London stage a few years ago in a musical adaptation that actually proved more entertaining and poignant than its source. That show has now brought Patrick and his story home, and they're scarier and more thrilling than ever. It reminds us how little has changed in the past 30 years. Patrick's idol, Donald Trump, mentioned more than once in Roberto Aguirre-Sacquesa's razor-sharp libretto looms larger and sparks more debate than ever. The triumph of this American psycho directed with gale force and fabulous style by Rupert Gould is that it doesn't get lost in the details informing its brilliant, brutal satire. As Devlin's cold, sleek set design, Katrina Lindsay's alternately slick and garish costumes reinforce both the superficiality of Patrick's lifestyle and the throbbing tension underneath. Walker's witty, terrifying Patrick, disturbingly sexy, then unexpectedly moving, holds us wrapped throughout.
0: I 100% back up that entire review. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there this, were the show was a roller coaster for me. Oh
1: my god, it was like the, you you lo- if there was a you looked away for a second and something changed, like you were thrown for a loop. You're like, "What what has happened?" It it had
0: the the pace and timbre of an old 1930s film because you had you had to like there was so much like back and forth quickness. Totally. Oh, it was it was hard. I was still being moved so like subliminally I almost felt like I was getting brainwashed mm-hmm. and I think that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, I feel like that's They're true. They're trying to throw you off kilter. So I, I know in the book, in the source material book of this, that's what they do. They sort of time jump you. They they suddenly start talking about random things that it make that have no bearing and then they'll throw like murder in your face and then they'll talk about the <laughs> ah- random ah- mentions that they would have and then go into like the 80s rock or something. and Murdering are, your a, face. Back in your face for So you were already off-kilter there. In the film, you get to do that with film. You know, you get to pop from scene to scene and do whatever you want and yep. do weird visuals that are funky and then suddenly it's normal. And you're like, what's going on?
1: Ah, uh, the luxury of
0: film. But in this musical, you have to do that with lights and with dialogue and with people. And you can shift the set some, but it has to... I. It's. It was so off-kilter, but I was feeling... Truly hypnotized, mm-hmm. in a way, by, yeah. by Patrick, because he's your anchor. He is your anchor in this show.
1: And I, I think that if a show can do that in the way that this one did, it is successful because it is part of the storytelling itself. It's not because of lack of organization, coordination, lack of vision, etc. We want to put you in the mindset of a, quote, Patrick Bateman, and we want to make you feel uncomfortable because that's what he feels. So we need to put you in the same mindset to be able to tell this story properly. And that was a really big, uh, I think, a big um, in the pro column for that specifically.
0: Not a lot of people got to see the show because it wasn't around long Mm -hmm. so unless you were happened to be in the uk and on the west end Mm -hmm. and got to go see this i think they made minor changes when they brought it to broadway but not much sure and otherwise not a lot of people got to see the show and i'm actually really excited for people to get to know about it i think
2: i'll go to ferragamo i don't know if
0: i'm such a fan of your purple suede Charles Jordan. But let's be clear, there's nothing ironic
2: about our love of Manolo Blahnik. No, there's nothing remotely ironic about our love of Manolo Blahnik. <laughs> CHANEL!
0: Number one thing you took away from this show, Mary. Like, what's the thing that stood out the most to you?
1: That the biggest thing was kind of what I mentioned in the beginning. I never thought that Patrick Bateman was the type of character that could be redeemable for me. The way they told it in this musical was so beautiful that I went... It's kind of like when I looked at... I can't remember now what his name is, but in Oklahoma. Judd. Judd, yeah. The same way that I looked at Judd. Another Oklahoma reference. I'm
0: jaw on the floor, you know?
1: What is happening to me? Is Oklahoma
0: our new phantom?
1: Oh my God, maybe. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. But I think in that way, it's very like... You have an idea of of who this person is. And then there comes a turn where they do something or they say something that is like, oh, you are capable of human emotion. Because Patrick Bateman spends the entire show talking about how he has no human emotion. He doesn't know how to connect with people. He's basically just a robot. And then there's the moment where he is alone with Gene, And he is, you know, he is, I mean, obviously his visage is covered in blood and he's, you know, in underwear, but she sees him obviously as what he would be in a, you know, Versace suit. And he just looks at her and goes, you need to leave because I will do something bad if you don't. And, but it's this moment where she comes in to kiss him and he pushes her back and he's like, you need to go now. Yeah. And it was a moment where I was like, I loved that so much. Because he's been in control this whole time. He is the master manipulator of everyone in his circle. He gets people to do what he wants because he's Patrick freaking Bateman. He's able to sleep with anybody he wants because he's got the money to be able to pay them. And then in this one moment, this woman who literally has no stake in his life other than being his secretary, he looked at her, the one person who has always treated him with kindness and went, I can't do this and it was so redeemable and it was the the idea that even if you go super bad you go super sane and you're just terrible there can still be a moment where if you treat someone with kindness it could potentially turn them around like
0: he shifted in that moment the like the world's aligned and he went no i can't i can't kill you you have you have no reason to die. He has this human moment.
1: Yeah. It's very reminiscent of like uh, JD and Heather's. You are the one worth saving. You are the
0: one worth saving.
1: Yeah. Well, um, what about you? What did you take away from this?
0: I, the, I found the design of this show particularly well done. Mm-hmm. Everything about it was so captivating to me. Uh, It took me a while to get um, acclimated to what we were dealing with, I'll say. So we have the iconic opening scene where we have Patrick Bateman in his white underwear doing his (laughs) regimen. You know, and he's explaining... This Adonis is beautiful. explaining his... Perfect routine.
1: God, he's so pretty. he
0: was so pretty. And the issue that we have on stage is you're in a white box that is reminiscent of his apartment, Mm -hmm. if you've seen the film. You slowly learn what different things mean, how different things are used. There's some turntables on the stage in this Broadway version, and that's almost him thinking and mm-hmm. like filing through his like Rolodex of people. In the his, wheels
1: are literally turning in his mind. Yeah. And
0: then we have this background of of white which are like vertical 80s blinds. That's oh, genius, God. but it offers a beautiful thing to project stuff on. Mm-hmm. And anytime he's triggered, anytime he's in a mood that the color shifts on this or lines up here, jagged lines if he's going crazy mm-hmm. or like static video is up if he's like starting to have one of his episodes mm-hmm. and so it becomes this you you can tell what's about to happen just because of the light design or like what's going on on stage and it's this so is in his mind and I was like this is so effective because I feel like I'm part of it I feel like I'm Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. walking through this and that was so well done to me I just props to it because this is technically I believe available for people to put on in communities.
1: I think I think you're right
0: because I'm either excited to see it fail horribly or it's going to be great. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> going through this then the the dancing in the show was very 80s reminiscent robotic
1: oh totally the
0: robot was was supreme leader here there was
1: a lot of pop and lock a lot for of sure. pop and
0: lock crumpin we got that we got to have a white boy crump fest <laughs>
1: <laughs> and
0: it was it hashtag was, a white boy crump fest. it was very white it
1: was so white there, um, yeah, there was not a lot of representation. I feel on this stage, but I think that was the point.
0: It, w- I mean, yes, I've ne- I would never say this about a show, but it's almost like it, 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 it puts the point more across. Sure, having all of these main guys be white bitches,
1: cis white dudes, like
0: you know. And then but we do get a person of color with a detective.
1: Correct. And we yes. get some
0: people of color in um, all of our side girl characters. But the Correct. women in the show are treated horribly. Mm-hmm. But that was the eighties, and that was the point of all Absolutely. of how the script was written. Absolutely. Is that they were treated like pieces. Trash. Pieces yeah. on the side to be used yeah. and, and dealt with. It, it, it's hard to watch. It really is. Mm-hmm. But when you realize it is of an era and when you realize it's all meant to be satire. It's so clear that you can do nothing but walk away and check yourself. Yeah. Cause when you've
2: made when you've it, you've what, made will it you what will you find? Heaven's it's just my the state, state of
0: What did we think, though, about all of this dancing? Did we like it? Did we hate it? As a choreographer, I had moments where I cringed, but then other moments I went, oh, that's absolutely amazing.
1: I think that there, especially when we got to one of the very beginning kind of dance numbers with all of the guys that were in the office talking about their business cards and they were all jumping up on desks that were like lit from inside. So there was like nothing but underlighting. I remember very specifically you kind of, like, jumping out of your seat a little bit because these guys are leaping up on, like, 36-inch, you know, platforms. Yeah, you have to
0: have a a three-foot vertical in order to do this. And I just remember thinking, you're asking someone to do this consistently. One minor slip. One hesitation. If you never fell... (laughs) <laughs> on that table, <laughs> good for you. But
1: you that, never yeah. nutted yourself on a table because
0: oh, I have been asked to do some crazy things: leap over cars, bars, desks, jump over people, pyramid in the weirdest positions. Do I have had to do crazy things uh, that I would have been like? I don't think so.
1: (laughs) I'm especially since uh, about half the time they didn't lock the casters on the desks. So they're just leaping blind faith, hoping that, you know, they're going to be able to land on it. And I'm just like, Okay, look here, you're on Broadway and that's cool. You're leaping in, you know, Broadway slacks, which are absolutely nothing but elastic and, and, you know, like dress shoes that are dance shoes. Okay, great. Like, I get that. Good for you. Somebody pushes that with their hip and it's, yeah, a a quarter inch or an inch different from your spike mark. You are nutting yourself on a table. It's it's
0: crazy. Immediately. Do we think the dancing was effective in this show and did it add or take away or was it distracting or was it used well?
1: So I think um at least the the major dance part that I remember I mean not only was the guys with their business cards but then when Patrick is standing in front of the ATM and the person who is kind of personifying the ATM is like doing a a huge pop and lock routine, like talking to him about giving him money. Um, It was the first time that I noticed, I looked at the actor and went, is he bleeding from the head? Then I looked up and all of the ensemble has different plastic parts that they've put on them as part of their costume that shows blood and they're bleeding Mm -hmm. everywhere. And I thought it looked very cool. I understand why it was there, because it leads to the spectacle that is the representation of Patrick Bateman's psyche. So his psyche is absolute chaos. It's almost
0: like atmosphere, and they knew they had a white box, so we knew it had to be filled with something other than projections. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I ask this question, because I think it's interesting. One, anyone including me has asked American Psycho a musical with dancing yeah. like how does this work so i'm looking immediately at this dancing and like putting a microscope to it going mm-hmm. why was this effective did it add yep. what, how, how how could it have been better what what would have been better used in lieu to make larger than light, because that's the musical thing, Mm -hmm. right? The moment is so big, it no longer can be put just in words. You need to start singing and dancing to make your point. Mm -hmm. It felt like some of the most minute things were songs. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of this music then.
1: Oh, Duncan, (sighs) Duncan, Duncan, Duncan. It's all the same. It's It's literally the same note. It's the same note, it really is. Patrick
0: does have some high riff notes, the one person in the show with a range has to be patrick everyone else is singing four notes
1: yep exactly or
0: what it feels like and mm-hmm. cuz i'm sure it's more complicated and all, it's it's all dissonant and probably hard as hell oh i'm sure oh, at, after a while i just it was put, it was either putting me to sleep or i was having to focus on something else because yep. i didn't want to focus on what the music I was like anymore.
2: The, hard body, the curve of her ass i guess it's not too shoddy i like him like that i like a hard body she keeps a tidy rig but you know she's naughty hey boy
0: So I started looking at the dancing mm-hmm. and then I was like, what's Patrick doing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you start looking for other things because I'm zoning out because this music is so boring and I'm not connecting in Anyway,
1: uh-uh. and I think that you know, obviously, we're you know, at least for me, I'm I'm setting you know, Duncan, I'm setting this musical up against Spring Awakening, yeah, right? Which is, which I mean, we know from being in the show, there are a lot of similar things in Spring Awakening as well. Yeah, but I think the difference between Spring Awakening and American Psycho was a Spring Awakening, you would have things like you know, totally fucked up against left behind up against purple summer. So you had like really big, nice choral moments where everybody harmonized. Then you had, you know, rock moments where it was just nothing but pure chaos and, and people running around. And then you'd have these beautiful soft or hard ballads that were just soul bearing and were just absolutely gorgeous. American Psycho, I didn't feel had that. It felt like everything was very kind of the same level of emotion. It it was all whispering or touch me.
0: Re- but really though, but really though, it was all whispering or, or touch me, me. Um, my junk my, maybe, maybe some my junk, a little but, bit of my but junk. But that was the most it got to.
1: Maybe a little mama who bore me with the two ladies who talked about their Manola Blancs. Maybe, maybe.
0: Do you remember what we we suddenly looked at each other in the middle of that woman's number and we were like, "This is not a great song." And then at the end of the show, we looked at each other and went, "I'd kill for that woman's song again." <laughs> 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 <I'm> like, <laughs> I wish I wish I had some of that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Because yeah, we had gotten to a point. Where, all right, uh, something. Can we go back to what we know, please? The seventh time I'm hearing whispering, and I'm I'm done. It's the same six notes. It's the same chord progression. It's the same everything. And it's like, all right, I I love vanilla ice cream, and I will have vanilla ice cream if it is what is available. Do not force feed me vanilla ice cream for two and a half hours. Yeah. I, uh-uh, but I tap out. This
0: is the other thing. We are rattling off Spring Awakening numbers. I couldn't tell you the title of a song in the show. And I have the song list right in front of me.
1: <laughs> I only know one of them. It was the one that I think I liked the most because it was so Say different. Say at the same time. This is, this not, is, an, this is not, not an, an exit. exit. Yes. And that's it. That's it. I like that we fit, it, and then I went, not an exit. Wait, no, there's something else. It, th- this, this is not, this, this idea, is yeah, not an exit. Yeah. But, like, that was such a, be- like, that song was so good. It was the
0: perfect cap to the ride we'd just been on.
1: What, so what is it about this song for you that that was kind of standout? Like, why did you identify it? It's sort of the padding on the fall
0: that you're taking while watching this Show sure. It it's the airbag in the descent <laughs> that cradles you and says, "Okay, we're done. <laughs> we we're done, and you'll be okay." Here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing. Walk out of here with what you need.
1: <laughs> it's the parachute that keeps you from breaking your knees when you jump out of a plane. Because yeah, oh. if it, I'm. If they would have ended it
0: any other way, I would have been probably jarred and scarred for life. Yeah, I agree. In some way. I think so. So I think it was the perfect ending, and it sort of was a nice round out of sort of the allegory they claim it is not.
1: Sure. (laughs) 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 This is not an allegory. It's an allegory. (laughs) Satisfying end.
2: i e
0: Upside down. Yes, you've hung your Annika upside down. I just can't believe that. How long has it been this way? How. Everything in the show is a contest in Bateman's mind. Mm -hmm. Everything. Uh, Hence, everyone that he sees in his workplace, in other workplaces, or even on the street to his caliber Mm -hmm. is competition. Yeah. And. The people who are not competition are the ones he doesn't even notice, or the things he feels are expendable. Yep. AKA the women he uses, mm-hmm. the the unhoused people on the street, mm-hmm. and all all of the like, and and everything in between. So, what do we think about this? Uh, in is this a real world thing? Are we talking about real world issues in a in sort of a business setting? Is everything competition?
1: To me, it doesn't matter what what time, era or decade we are in. Competition is something that has always been kind of part of humanity. Yeah, competition is something that I think can be healthy in certain arenas. But when we get to Patrick Bateman specifically because he sees everyone in this lens, it becomes toxic because there's always this idea of like trying to keep up with the joneses right and and his jones is paul owens truly paul owens becomes one of his people that he's comparing himself it. to yeah and i think that is, Then, you know, if we take it into a broader lens and we start looking at things like organizations and businesses themselves, there is always something that a business is trying to do to outshine someone else. It's stupid. But I, I think of um, there's a series of South Park episodes that I love watching at a certain point every year. Uh, and it's the three episodes where they kind of reference Game of Thrones. And oh, it's the yeah. difference between Xbox and uh, PS4. And... <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> But it's that idea of we're seeing what one company is doing. How can we make our thing better or more appealing to then steal these customers and make them our own? And I think that that's just... It ties into, like, survival of the fittest, right? The the last person, you know, standing with the bludgeon back in, you know, cavemen days was the person who survived. Companies nowadays, if you make it something that's accessible to people that's within some sort of cost margin that they can spend it on, they're going to come to you regardless of what it is. And now people can disagree with me, and that's totally fine. Because, like, th- I mean, there are times where I will sacrifice things like you know, being budget friendly to go with a brand name. I mean, it it absolutely is just, I mean, it is part of society. It's part of our culture, I think. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's kind of what they talk about in this show and, you know, in the book and in everything, The, the consumerism of it all too. Yeah. And who is loyal to who. Yeah. And who can acquire either the most accounts, the most customers, the most... Whatever, mm-hmm. and that's part of Bateman's whole thing with Paul. He's like, mm-hmm. he's so worried about who ha- who got this account, who 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 got this deal, mm-hmm. and Paul gets it, and that sends him into a spiral. <sighs> he is in a tailspin. But uh, I have to laugh a little bit. I you you said keeping up with the Joneses and like all that. <laughs> I, I, I I I have a very lovely note in in my notes when they claim that this show wasn't an allegory. I'm like, they claim it's not an allegory. But it is. Everyone and everything in this show is vapid and materialistic. And this sort of shows you what it takes to do and to be that. Mm-hmm. To what, what it means to be like this. Yep. And so like the small decisions that we make every day and who we are. But he isn't in fact anyone. Yep. So he says he's the shell of what he wants you to see. Yep. And he's the embodiment of what we've chosen as society to become and he he's sort of the fallout of it all. But what does keeping up with the Joneses really entail? The musical is the note I have.
1: There's only room for one of us in here in this brain, babe, but apparently we're both here now. Well
0: I've set up the plastic so I think we know where this is going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't wanna know what's behind the plastic. Me, 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 We go home. I have put you to bed. <laughs> no.
2: Peeking through the plastic.
1: Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it wrestling because it's Andrew Lynn Weber or because <laughs> it's the Phantom? We don't. Uh... Trying to
0: get people to buy tickets to Phantom <laughs> because my Ms is so powerful. Some people. This is some people's podcast. They they air this shit. <laughs> Should this be us? Let us know in the comments Get
1: in the comments
0: (laughs) From the top underscore podcast on Instagram
1: Oh (laughs) man
2: We will find you acting on your best behavior Turn your back on Mother Nature Everybody wants to
0: So, I would overall say this show is boring. Musically or just in general? In general. Okay. There is some spectacle that I do enjoy and the visuals were good. Sure. But not a lot happens. When I think American Psycho the musical, I'm going to be thinking a death every 10 minutes. I think I said this before. They sort of edge you a little bit. Into this. You get a little bit of it when he kills the homeless man on the street. Sure. It's the first time we see him kill. Sure. And I believe that's the way that it was in the film. Yes. There was something about transferring this to stage. I would have liked to see his sinister side earlier on. Oh, sure. I would have been waiting for him to snap. I think the writers and producers and the people putting this on expected us to come in already sort of knowing the story, which most people do. Yeah. I would say it would have, to me, done a better service to cut that tension right away because we already know that this is going to happen. Cut it, and it's going to create a much more sinister side when you see him doing the mundane dailies.
1: Yeah, and I think that it does a disservice to your audience if you assume that they're coming in knowing the source material. Yeah. Like you should never, in my humble, unasked for opinion, you should never create a show that is based on the assumption that your audience is going to come in knowing what this is and then being able to tell that story to them again. It's like you're telling it brand new to to anyone and everyone, and it needs to be something that can stand on its own Without prior knowledge of where it comes from, yeah. And I,
0: I rode Beetlejuice hard for the not enough source, not enough eyebrows, of the, eyebrows, not enough of the things that I wanted in there. Were the Easter eggs weren't in there, right? The Easter eggs are in here.
1: Oh, they literally. It feels like they took the film script and then just
0: put it on stage. It's in many, many ways, and but there's also so much of that source book in here too. Sure. That I I'm like oh so y- y'all did good.
1: Yeah, y'all did right by but, the
0: source but for some reason the way that they pieced it together it was overall boring to mm-hmm. me that said there were a couple highlights yeah, i would say i'd say um, at least a couple let's talk about this uh sex montage do we have to <laughs> i think we do because okay. um it's a it takes it eats up a huge portion of this film sure does it show does uh, watching this on stage was a little
1: uncomfortable Mainly because of the projections that they use that just have nothing but, but peens everywhere. Ooh,
0: hit that button, Mary. <gasps> How dare you? I think that's what made it. Really? I think that's the only thing that saved that entire scene. Cause I was about to be like, I'm out. Like, this is not good. Hmm. That The projections are, like, in his mind, equivalent to what the porn was constantly playing. Sure. Like, in the film. Sure. That he's he's watching. (laughs) Just on a Tuesday in the afternoon. (laughs) On a Tuesday in June.
1: On the phone, making a reservation for dinner. So, like,
0: there's just these random, not great drawings of people performing sexual encounters on each other. Um Um-hmm. Just projected, just like stick-line drawings of people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they're graphic. <laughs> to me, that's like what he's thinking about. He's referen- He's trying to make his own porn, in a way. Yeah. He sets that up in-, in the film. He has his own camera. In here, he's setting up his own world. Yeah. And that's what he's thinking about while he's doing these things. And so I, I just, it was very effective to me and how they did that. Why did that just make you more uncomfortable?
1: I mean, it was definitely effective and I will agree with you in the effectiveness part. And I think that I liked the way that with all of these kind of stick figure drawings of this, the, the ensemble then would stand in front of the projection and mirror the motion of whatever they, what were, they doing. were doing. So you could see that Patrick was kind of going through and just, it didn't really matter who the person was. They were just performing whatever act it was that he was imagining. I think that what made me uncomfortable was having, again, going back to Spring Awakening only for a moment, we simulate sex on stage between two people having it for their first time, right? But it is a two thrusts and done. Like it's very, very quick. Venla has her, you know, kind of moment and that's done. We get to this and because we were pulling from source material that was explicitly graphic, we had to translate it in a way that still was reminiscent of that. So people knew what it was, but yeah. then also kind of giving it this different kind of veneer, I suppose, with the stick figures. So I think it was just me seeing so many phalluses, I think, was sure. just was just <laughs> at at its core, just very like... Oh my god, I have never seen this before. I mean, you're you're watching sick figures perform pretty much any, you know, sexual act that you can possibly think of doing. Yeah,
0: surrounded in 360. Surrounded in
1: 360. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like <sighs> That was that was a lot of sex. But again, does that
0: just mean it's effective? Because we're in his mind. We're yeah. surrounded. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. not negating the effectiveness. But, but it was just, just it's, overwhelming. It's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it was But it, it was. But the, I think we, uh, it's something we think we have to talk about with the show because it's a main thing about him. Patrick Bateman likes his routine. He likes to party. And he likes his women.
1: Mm-hmm. That's if there are three things that you could set your watch by this particular character are those things. That
2: was some girl I forget her name She thinks we're in love Does she think I'm insane? She's not important Just kind of annoying That's a fine chardonnay You're not enjoying Oh, never mind Let's quit this dive, my white M3 is parked outside, I'll call my dealer, his product is clean, fuck I don't want to drive, let's get a
0: limousine. We said it in the beginning of the show, it's very ambiguous in the book, in the film, did this happen in all in his mind, Sure. did he actually do it, is he having a psychotic break, um, is he having the psychotic break at the end and all of this did happen sure and so we're it's all very unclear <clears throat> in this musical i think they chose a lane and he is having a psychotic break oh sure and i think it's very apparent that a lot of this is happening in his mind especially because pretty much all of act two he's running around in White underwear and blood, but people aren't interacting with him <laughs> in the way that he is. Yeah, it they're interacting with him like he's in his Armani suit yep. or whatever it is. Yep, so. Uh, I- what what do we think about that? Is it did was that effective? And what do we think of this as sort of a plot driver? And do we enjoy them choosing this for us almost in a way?
1: It was really kind of refreshing to see it in juxtaposition to the the source film because in the source film, you know, we only have that that iconic scene of him throwing a chainsaw and he's completely naked, covered in blood, you know, throwing it after you know one of his escorts that has you know yes. tried to escape, and so you have this this kind of scene where you know he's bleeding and screaming or he's bleeding he's covered in blood and he's screaming and he's he just kind of has that moment after the scream where he kind of collects himself and goes oh Row. uh i <laughs> i may have overreacted a little bit <laughs> but so you know then of course he cleans himself up and he and he gets back in a suit and he does all these things and it isn't really until the end of the film that you see him really kind of have that moment of breaking where he's crying on the phone to his lawyer and he's he's admitting on the phone to all of these things that he's done and to see that in contrast to the to the musical I really enjoyed the way the musical did it because it, it's it sounds silly but it almost made me think of like the emperor's new clothes, right? Yeah. Where he he but I mean obviously it would be in an opposite fashion because the emperor thinks that he is dressed and everyone sees him naked. This is very much an opposite way where he is he is down to his bare bones essentially. Like he is he has no kind of cover to hide behind and we get to see him in his visceral in his animalistic form and everyone else is still seeing this very polished and put together kind of person and i i appreciate that because you know how many times have you interacted with somebody that on the outside they they are the most put together person you've ever seen in your life oh yeah but then you never know what's going on on the inside and that could absolutely be what's happening and as an audience member i appreciated it because i wanted if i'm going to see patrick bateman i want to see the patrick bateman that is that unhinged person we get to in the end because the vene- it, it it shows the progression of the veneer finally wearing off and him going okay look i'm done putting on airs like th- like this is who i am and I'm desperately trying to tell you who I am, but everyone is still brainwashed. And they're like, oh, no, it's oh, Patrick. No. Yeah. Hi, Patrick. <clears throat> like, it was. It's, it's a very cool vehicle to be able to tell this kind of story of psychosis, but doing it in a way that is almost really intimate because it gives us as audience members insight into one person and how they are feeling about the situation. So I thought it was super effective. It reads so well. And... I, I just think
0: about this in in the sense that, like, uh, let's say... This is not a thing. Well, let's say <laughs> Ty- Tyson chicken, chicken Nuggets had a, a major lawsuit against them because they were found to be injecting grasshopper larvae as supplemental protein into their nuggets or something. <laughs> and But we're like, yeah, but they still taste good. And so people still buy tyson nuggets because mm-hmm. they're like well that's what i always buy mm-hmm. what does it matter oh that's just this happens on the daily with us and we don't realize it nope we have those loyalties to certain things and we don't question it we don't we don't bat an eye when we hear something negative or we see or they confess something and they're like well People make mistakes. But then when there's something in opposition that we don't necessarily care for, we rake it over the coals and send it to its deathbed. Yep. And that's what's unfair. And that's what they're talking about in this entire show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's the easiest way to show this. In, and it's so effective. Plus, we get to see Patrick Bateman in his underwear for an entire hour. That man was gorgeous. He was. Strong points. What were some strong points of this show?
1: Oh man. Um I mean tr- I mean I'm trying to rack my brain for stuff that we haven't already talked about. Um you know, I would say uh, I would say that a strong point of the show was the ability for it to be able to track the film as well as it did yeah. to keep you know, loyal, you know, cult followers of the film itself kind of happy in that regard because we had those iconic moments of it, lines and scenes and we gave them those Easter eggs that they really wanted, which I thought was cool.
0: Yeah, I, I have it in my strong points that it's absolute balance of that book and film. They did such a good job with that.
1: I, yeah, I would say that was the biggest strong point for me. I think that you know another i mean the again not to put it on a particular cast or a particular performance but i think that what we saw the cast that was um selected for this particular performance was very strong they i mean vocally like you know massively talented um, I think that there were a lot of, there were really s- some good, even though we are talking about the 1980s and the corporate culture of the 1980s, where everything is a very surface level and we're just about, you know, the, again, sins of the flesh, let's let's do drugs, let's drink, let's have sex, let's do all these things. There were some genuine... Um, kind of relationship moments that happened, which I thought were very cool. Um, You know, I mean, obviously you can't overlook, um, you know, Patrick and Gene like that relationship for whatever you could call it a relationship was really nice. I mean, not to say that, that, you know, because referencing back to Beetlejuice, you know, what a bold departure from the original source material. You have that ability to be able to do that with certain things. But I think with American Psycho, they made a smart choice by sticking to what was already known and then incorporating, you know, elements of the book into it as well. They
0: expanded where it should have been. Yeah. The issue is we call the show boring. Yeah. Did they expand in the right in
1: places? the right way? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna bring up that set again. And oh, how, d- how yes. How it, was used. it was such a strong point for me because it it showed me what I needed to and it gave me what I should be feeling. Sure. So it was like another character yeah. in a way. And yeah. And that that's what was cool. It just became the thing that I could tell where we were and how we were feeling.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, looking towards the end of the show, I thought it was a really strong choice. You know, we, we've we had we've spent the last, you know, I, uh, 40, 50 minutes of that second act, just everybody and everything covered in blood. There is blood everywhere and it is on everyone. And then you have this really beautiful song, but everybody comes out in, you know, white undergarments and towels And they all kneel down on the stage and they start wiping up the blood off of the stage and they're cleaning everything up and then the walls come back in, everything comes back down and the box reforms itself. And it was so cool to watch them do that and then go away and in comes Patrick, just, you know, again in his suit and he's cleaned off his hands and here he is. And it was such a powerful moment to go... Is Patrick cleaning up, like, what is he cleaning up? Is he cleaning up his conscience? Is, he, is is? there, like, physical cleanup that's happening? But, like, it was... Well, he
0: he finally had his break, and he confessed. He thought he confessed. So yep. he, he the one thing he can control,
1: putting his box back, back together. together. Yeah. It was a super strong moment.
2: I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord.
0: Are some weak points and I will just say the dirge-like songs that are supposed to take us through this maniacal twisty roller coaster mm-hmm. but yet I feel like I'm riding the kitty train in the middle of the mall.
1: Yeah. Square. Yeah. I mean it it's so hard to not focus on the music in its entirety. Stephen, this is really hard. I'm going to say maybe because
0: we talked about it too. So much information sometimes is being thrust at you, yeah, and there's not enough time to process it. But I think that's by design. But I also think it's what contributed to some critics not getting it. Sure. And while I say with the the critical review of this was polarizing, some people loved it, some people hated it. Sure. And from what we can tell, the people that didn't like it, or the reviewers or critics that didn't like it, didn't, didn't get it. it. And and. How can you fix that?
1: Yeah, you can't. You know, it's you know, arts not for everyone, and everyone will always you know as entitled to their opinion. But um, you know, from the reviews that I that I perused and and the ones that I you know, like I tried to whenever I read a review of a show, I try to read the glowing and then the you know and the negative to try to get kind of get a an balanced idea. perspective. And the ma, the majority of the negative reviews that I saw were things like people just complaining about the amount of gore. It was like it was too gory. I there don't was, think there was enough gore. <clears throat> unfortunately this might be a hot take that is your job as a theater goer to figure out what it is that you're going into because you can't blame them for the show that they're putting on. If you didn't do research on what it is you're about to go see. Well, and I know that earlier I had said, you know, a music or a show should stand on its own. It shouldn't have to rely on the source material. What I mean by you should know what you're getting into is like, not that you need to know the source material, but you need to know if you're going to go watch a show called American psycho, go read a synopsis of what, the show is there will be blood yeah literally that's it it is literally there will be blood and there will be sex and there will be sex drugs rock and roll and blood that's it that's all you've (laughs) gotten you know you and I have both worked in industries where you know someone thinks that they know what they're getting into and you know they order a drink from Starbucks they've never had before and they get it and they're like oh my god this is disgusting you're like did you not hear what you ordered? Because I made it. So somebody clearly doesn't know Every what time. a macchiato is. That's Every fine. Every time, man. that's fine. But As yeah. a ten-year
0: barista, I fully identify with that. <laughs> know what you order.
1: Know what you
0: order. And don't. I will make you what you order. You ordered wrong.
1: Yes. And it is. I promise you. You ordered wrong. <laughs> I did not hear you wrong, Patricia. You ordered it wrong. Guarantee you, babe, baby. <laughs>
0: Uh, clearly we've already talked about our favorite song yes however I am going to shout out the girl's song
1: (laughs) about the Manola Blancs the
0: Manola Blancs we love our Manola Blancs oh Uh, man let me me double check the song list because I don't know what it was called (laughs) and I guarantee you I listened to the soundtrack all the way through. I could only do it once. Oh, Because I, I was not going to do it again. It was it was not going it to happen. It
1: was not, it was it was are do- what
0: you wear featuring yes. featuring Car- Evelyn and Courtney.
1: Oh my god. You are what you wear.
0: And it's it's a the all girls number but it's so it's degrading but it's bougie but it's it's a vibe. And that's the correct term and usage of the word. It's a vibe. <laughs> 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 and there, there are characters and other themes and people we really haven't been able to like dive into just because time restraints are a thing. But yeah. if, I mean, again, if you're not listening to show notes, people, listen to show notes. Yes. You're, only getting, you're truly only getting half of our coverage of some of this stuff. Truly. And, and it's a little more deep dive. It's a lot more fun. Yeah. So please, always try to tune into show notes and th- we correct some of the stuff we get wrong in this one too. That's why we call Um, we're actors, we love notes.
1: Yes, I literally rock up with a pencil and a notebook and I go, all right. It's always a heavy sigh, but I'm like, the notes are always good because the notes make you improve.
0: But I would also love at this moment to thank you all for listening. Um, Mm, It is always such a pleasure because I do enjoy doing this every week with my lovely co-host, Mary. Thank you. It's it's a highlight of my week and I I love uh, being able to do this. So your listenership is part of that. And so thank you. Um, Of course, like, subscribe, rate us wherever you can, and share it with other people, too, if you enjoy what we're doing.
1: So. Yeah. Am I someone
2: he could on? would
0: he
1: Before.
0: Well, Mary, I think we can, swiftly, like an axe through a skull, get into questions for Table Read.
2: It's my favorite part you'll see. They almost all know how to read.
1: Hi, Paul. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. I, I am, I am like violently shook right now, and I'm kind of in love with it, but also I am mildly terrified. Just like <laughs> titillated. Um, I'm just checking around your chair to make sure you don't actually have like a nail gun or an axe or, <laughs> or a chainsaw. I mean, any of the various and sundry duct tape. Please tell me you don't have duct tape. Not yet. What do you need duct tape for?
0: Uh, some. Projects.
1: Okay. <laughs> sure. Taping things. Good.
0: Taping things. Women. Does this show pass the test of women? And that's a hard no. No.
1: No. No, 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 hard no. <scared noise> hard no. Hard no. Hard. Hard. Hard no.
0: There was no good representation, and I have no no issue
1: saying that. Where's the good one? Jean? Jean. Jean. She's the good one because she's not, you don't see her doing drugs. You don't see her sleeping around. But she is the one who does take, you know, Patrick's kind of, you know, beratement a little bit right in the very beginning where he goes, don't ever wear that outfit again. Yeah. And she's Mm -hmm. like, you know, and of course she thinks it's a joke. And she's like, oh, what? You don't like my outfit? And he goes, no, I don't like it. I like a skirt and high heels. You're too pretty for this outfit, ass. Welcome to the 80s. I know.
0: god complex of a... In Banker in Wall Street. Oh, like, Jesus. I yeah. just can't. I don't know. But women are not painted well in this show at all. No. However, like we said at the beginning, it flips so hard and it's so jarring mm-hmm. that in the end, you end up revering women.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: So for that, do we have to say yes? No. I'm still going to say a hard no. They are not represented well. Correct. In the end, they're resolved. Yes. Great.
1: Sure. Resolved sounds great. Race. Well, we also mentioned at the beginning of this that it, it does seem to be kind of a creative choice that since we are set in this particular time period where most of your representatives on Wall Street were cis white males, it stands to reason that these people would be that. But, like, I pull a page out of your book, cast for talent.
0: I don't think they've pigeonholed anyone in any role, any way.
1: No, because we get, I mean, like, you do get some representation when it comes to the detective who shows up, right? So we have, we do have... Some some of the females, Some of the females, yep. But I think... You know, if we go back, looking back at the source film, unfortunately, the homeless person that is one of Patrick's victims is, you know, an African-American man who is on the street. And so, you know, and then, unfortunately, the, you know, the dry cleaner that he yells at is, you know, of
0: Asian descent. Asian descent. Yeah. He's yelling at them because he can't understand Understand them.
1: them. Yeah. And there's... There do seem to be kind of those themes of, I don't see you because you are different from me, but then I only see you when I'm going to strike. Like, I found my prey and now I'm yeah, going to go in When the I kill. need
0: you, you're important to me, but you have to abide by my rules. Exactly. Yeah, it's so it's so...
1: I, I mean, I'm going to say... Um, How
0: it was presented to us, it fails. Yes. Does it fail overall as a f- show? No, No. because it doesn't. I don't think it matters.
1: Thank God you're here to save me, because I'm just like, I'm just drowning. I'll kill myself. You won't even have to do it for me.
0: (laughs) So, is representation a thing? Now, I was saving Lewis for this particular portion. Oh, sure, yeah. So, Lewis pronounces his unrequited love. Yes,
1: for Patrick (laughs) in a bathroom. He's
0: our Eponine.
1: He, oh. Throughout
0: the entire show, is trying to convince Patrick they could be happy if they flee off to Arizona yes. like holiday
1: inn. <laughs> yes. Which I thought was so funny because he goes, "Let's go off to Arizona and buy an inn." And I'm like, "Yeah. Shut up. We've now had three <laughs> musical references." Okay. Yeah. Delicious. But um
0: the whole thing is when we take take the step back and we realize, "Oh, Patrick Bateman's sort of this symbol for business yep. and this whole thing. The AIDS crisis is in full swing in oh, the, sure. the 1980s." Yeah. And it, like even the way Patrick treats Lewis after knowing that he Pat Lewis is gay mm-hmm. is like, don't touch me. He has to wash his hands after every time he encounters him. Yeah. He's like, wait, he's gonna be handling food because there was so much misinformation around the AIDS epidemic. And so there's this whole thing. So I oddly have to say representation is accurate. To the time period, absolutely. And I you feel For Lewis, in a way. Yeah. I think representation for gay men, at least, is there. I'd say I agree. Um,
1: Without being a gay man myself, but, you know. But,
0: you know, any other representation falters a little bit. Yeah. But um, 80s was very much about gay men dying of AIDS, and that is represented. And I like our gay man.
1: (laughs) Because he's adorable, and it's just...
0: Patrick would have been lucky to go to Arizona and get an in, in with, with Lewis.
2: Lewis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think our sound bank game is getting on. By the way, for anyone who doesn't know, we hear all the things except the music I cut in. Yes. We hear all of our intro music and all of those little titles Yeah. Of thing. So I'm just saying, like, we're bopping around with you. I know we never use any of these, and we should. Uh, I know. But okay, now we're, we're
1: back to sit back
0: down. We're in the middle of a table read. How dare you? you <laughs> 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 was coming. You set <laughs> me up for I it. Know. Oh. Okay, I've created a monster.
1: <laughs> you're you're the one who put me in the producer's chair in front of the soundboard. So I sure did. I sure did. <laughs> So, does this story hold up without
0: music now? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Fully. Yeah. And we're all engaged. It's a cult classic. Yeah. When the book released, it was very controversial, but it's, again, bringing truths to light. Yeah. In, absolutely. In, in, in allegory. I'm going to say this. It was an allegory. It's an allegory.
1: Don't tell me it's not. Like, <laughs> shut up. Like, no. <sighs> Don't um-actually me. Like, it is absolutely an allegory. Shut up.
0: Could this show... Change in era, time, or decade?
1: Oh. See, all right. Hey, th- this is always the question that gets me because I'm so used to it being in yeah. one, right? There are specific things like the Huey Lewis and the news yeah. reference, hip to be square, right? We've got that reference specifically in the musical. We've got they they insert, Bill yep, they insert different um specific uh music clips and, and even in Patrick's intro he's talking about
0: his uh he he pulls a a, a little shop of horrors yes. where he's like a big enormous 12 inch screen <laughs> but it's a 30 inch with in picture uh, option or picture something and, picture, picture, yep. picture. and i'm like oh
1: so yeah, it just makes it, that makes it hard. And you would have to, you would have to do a lot of changes to the script itself if you were going to move it. If you were to move it, let's say into a modern lens, are we still dealing with, we're not still dealing with the same problems that we were in the 1980s. We're, we're not as, I guess, unabashedly able to do things like cocaine in bathrooms and like be able to, you know, do all that stuff. Yeah. Because in, in 2023, there are there are different things that we're worried about and different things we care about and different ways that we satisfy those needs of the flesh. Like, there are ways that we do that. So, I mean, I think that could you do it? Well, yeah. I mean, you can change anything you want to, but will it be as effective? Yeah. I don't think so.
0: Yeah. And I- I don't think you can. I don't think that, I, I wouldn't want this in any other decade. Sure. We love an 80s musical here it From the Top, but uh, this one, <clears throat> and you know, some of them I think can change, this one, I'd like to plant firmly here.
1: Yeah, I say we keep it in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, amateur or professional, scale of 1 to 10, where does this lie? I remember making this comment to you as we were watching it, and I was like, all right, as long as the dancing doesn't get any deeper than this, I'm going to put it at, you know, this for amateur or professional. And then the show progressed, and we started doing not necessarily more complicated dance numbers, but the elements that create the show became more... Involved. So we had things like we now have blood on stage that we have to make sure that we're being safe around. We've got things like projections happening. We've got moving set pieces. We've got a lot of different things that do lead it to be a complex show. But
0: could could we strip that away and rebuild it in a different
1: way? Yes. So, I mean, I think that, that that's what, in my mind, the spectacle of it leads it to be, that could be something very daunting. But at its core, I don't know. I'd say this is middle of the road for me. I think this is like a, a 4.5 or a 5. I don't think it's any harder than that because your your Patrick Bateman needs to be, you know, like a like a solid tenor, right? He's gotta have yeah, yeah he has to have those. He's gotta have pipes. I'm giving this a four. Yeah, I mean I'd and say that's yeah. Because
0: I think it's less hard than some things, but the Topical material is what's hard about the show. Yeah. And only certain theaters are ever going to do it. Black box theaters, edgy theaters, theaters that are contemporary in nature. Um, I I can't say this would be that thing that would interest community theaters maybe. Even college theaters would probably think about this show. But the show at its core is not hard. And no. if you gave this script, there's nothing in here that's like, oh, that's daunting.
1: Yeah, it's not Newsies. It's not doing, you know, like oh. seize the day. Like we're oh. not See, seize the putting together seize the day or the
0: opening number of Newsies, uh, carrying the banner yeah. would be harder than putting on this show.
1: Oh, absolutely. So
0: for that reason, four.
1: So I'm four and a half. Like, I'll say four and a half because you got to make sure not only that you have the right people who are in the roles to be able to carry it, you know, vocally, but also you have to have a group of people that is willing to trust each other with material that is so heavy and so dark. Mm -hmm. 50 years from now, will this still be being staged? I mean, because American Psycho is a cult classic, maybe. I say no.
0: Yeah. I say no.
1: Way to bring it back to a Heather's reference. Nice work. <laughs> I,
0: no, this won't be. It sure won't be. Would would we show this
1: to aliens?
0: No. Well, I think they might enjoy this show.
1: They they might only because they can see the animalistic nature of human beings.
0: This show feels alien to me. Oh, it does. W- would I show it to them? No. No. Would they watch this on their own accord? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Would they get the allegory? That this show is? No. No.
1: But you know it's an allegory. It's an allegory. But you know what? You know what? It's kind of like it's kind of like watching porn. If someone gives you porn, you're not gonna watch it because they gave it to you. But you might go seek it out on your own because you're like, this is something that I know about. But if you gave it to me, I'm gonna say no because I wanna save face. But then later on I might get a little interested and go watch it by myself.
0: It's the facade you're creating and projecting into the world. I or am Patrick Bateman. Bateman.
1: Even if this
2: story is overwrought and gory It's not a fable It's not an allegory No cautionary tale No momental mori Or a vague, perhaps Maybe you've been slaughtered Maybe you've been kissed Either way means nothing I simply don't exist Look at what's been have become I am not a person Known to anyone All the doors are tried and tested I Know that this is not an That's
0: exit
1: <laughs> Final thought. Elmo, I'm gonna need you to calm down. Ma. Go.
0: Elmo wants some M&Ms and ice cream. <laughs>
1: nah, you little freak, Elmo. No. some M&Ms and ice cream? <laughs> Having that right in my cans is so f- scary. Can you imagine? Oh my God, Elmo is Patrick Bateman. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Huey Lewis? <laughs>
0: Um, Elmo says Don't just stare at it Well, it was supposed to be Evelyn today (laughs) But you shut up, so
2: (laughs) Hi, Paul (laughs) Hey, Paul (laughs) (laughs) Elmo wielding the this (laughs) ass bigger than he is
1: Tickle me, tickle me (laughs) (laughs) Dead
0: (laughs) Oh my god Tickle
1: me, tickle me, dead Oh that's the title oh of God. a song, though, that should be in this show. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Oh, no. Oh. Do you feel good about that? I don't. Good. I don't. I don't. I really don't. But I do.
0: <sighs> Final thoughts on American Psycho, the musical.
1: Oh, man. It is... It is something that I did not think would happen that I'm glad that did because, again, it gives me as an audience goer the ability to be able to see Patrick Bateman in a way that I didn't think I was going to get from the film. And I appreciate that gift that I was given. It's a film that I hold... Not near and dear to my heart, but I mean, it's one of the first ones that Tyler and I watched together, The Phantom of the Pod. And I'm just, I'm, I, I will always go back to it because I'm, I'm a huge fan of a good horror movie and especially psychological horror. To watch Patrick Bateman tell this story was really powerful. Um, but the musical, I think, resolved a lot of issues that I had with the film. And so I'm really grateful that it happened I am very sad that it did not get its you know day its you know full day on broadway there I think that it is something that I would still offer up to people like if you like american psycho as a movie I would still show it to people and be like, I think you will like this as a musical, especially if you're a musical person. It, it Yeah, it's not for everybody. So you absolutely have to exercise caution if you are going to go in and watch it. Or, more to the point, if you're going to go in and participate in it and actually like be part of the cast, um, it takes a lot of mental fortitude, I think, to be able to do that show.
0: I'm going to be thinking about this show for a moment. Sure. And I think my thoughts on it are going to grow and shift and mold over time. And I'm going to think about different things and think about things in other ways. But this show was surprising to me. I I came in completely blind. Sure. Knowing that it, it had been a failed musical on Broadway, but now knowing it was failed because it was forced to fail. Sure. I have to wonder what it could have been or would have been. Yeah. But much like the Broadway machine in its own corporate company-esque way, it had to kill American Psycho. Yep. And it had to be its own victim. So I'm going to be thinking about this and sort of the allegory of it all.
1: Because it's a f-ing allegory. You won't tell me why the studio is covered in plastic and newspaper and why I can hear Huey Lewis in the news. So, dare I ask you... What we're covering next time? Our next show is one I've had the privilege of doing. <gasps> Ooh,
0: okay. Uh, so first one this season. Sure. Uh, that we're we're diving into something I'm intimately familiar with. Oh, okay. Um, I said I would give source clues, but I'll give you this tidbit. Uh, this one was one of the first ones. Sutton Foster got <gasps> involved in and got her start on Broadway with. Ooh. But uh, the clue about this show... Our main protagonist
1: has a scar that changes her life. I'm very excited to do a Sutton Foster musical with you. Yeah. While I ruminate on this lovely clue and think about Sutton Foster, and now Hip to Be Square is getting louder, this is a little scary. Oh my God, it's coming no. for me. Hey, Mary. No! Will you please drop our socials for people who are listening?
0: From the top underscore podcast on Instagram and podcast from the top at gmail.com.
1: So until next time. From the the top. A Wandering Unicorn production. Ah!
0: Is there anything ironic about those blonics?